We're going to be in the scripture today celebrating the birth of the Christ child. And uh, so today is the first day of our series where we're looking at a passage in Isaiah chapter 9, uh, verses 6 and 7, which is where we just received and sung the names of this child. And so would you turn in your Bibles then to Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. And, uh, and so as part of that, uh, what I would ask is that when you consider the days ahead between now and Christmas, would you be willing to read this passage every day? It's just two verses. And meditate upon the impact of what it is telling. Because there may not be any stronger passage of messianic prophecy that describes the coming Christ child from that time. But we now get to understand as fully revealed. And so... Let's look at the text. It's rich, so much Christology that is found in this. And uh, so I'm excited to unpack it with you today. So Isaiah 9, verses 6 and 7, where it says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. The government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness, and from that time on and forever, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Let's pray for God to open our hearts today. So God, I ask for you to reveal afresh and anew a passage we're familiar with, maybe even know fully uh, well, that we would see something different and understand something unique that we've not appreciated before. And today, as we look into, begin to look into those names, speak to our heart. May you not find soil that is firm and packed and hard to you, but rather fertile soft, and ready to receive, including my heart, Lord Jesus. Pray this in your name. Amen. So in this text, there are some things that we tend to gloss over. We all know the phrase, for unto us a child is born. We all know the names, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. But there is some key things that we must not lose as part of the prophecy that was given to us from the prophet Isaiah. So to begin with, it's stating that somehow in the midst of all these names, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, there is a child who will be born that will carry those names. And it's not just any child, it's a son that will be born. And so in a day and age where it's getting strange that we have to talk about gender with some kind of qualification, God is clear that this child will be a son. And he is born and has a beginning in the sense of his human form. But we're going to see in the rest of it that somehow this child born is preexistent. That there was a preexistence of this child prior to his birth. So... You see this, so a child is born, and particularly a son, 
And then it says, and he, the government will be on his shoulders, which basically means he will be king. So he'll be ruler over the government. But in this case, universal. And so he is then the leader. He is the king. And then it says that there's something unique about the way he will lead his government. And it says that of the greatness of his government, there will be a peace with no end. Which basically means this. His government will be powerfully peaceful. Now think about that. We usually do not associate the term peace as powerful, but rather passive. Isn't it true? In our mind, when we think that is a peaceful person, or that person leads in peace, you would tend to think instinctively passive. But in this case, it associates it with greatness. Greatness. That there will be greatness, in other words, in this weight, power to the peace by which he lives. And then describes this kingdom by saying, and he will reign on David's throne. Now David's throne had a beginning because the first king of Israel was not of the tribe of Judah. It was of the tribe of Benjamin. That was King Saul. So then we know that Saul's failure led to the rise and the appointment of David out of the tribe of Judah. And then during David's time, it was prophesied to him that his throne would be established forever. So Isaiah... Decades and century or so later, uh, you get the opportunity for him to say, and this child, a son, whose government will be upon his shoulders, will lead powerfully in peace from David's throne and lineage. From not only that point, but ongoing. So it's going to be an everlasting throne. The strange thing is, is while we can point to a beginning where this child is born, that's a beginning. And you can point to David's throne and his lineage having a beginning. But the names that are between those two statements are eternal. And so when you absorb this and you begin to study it, you realize that the recipients of this text had to be like reading it over and over, trying to grasp how you can say, There will be a child born, a son in particular, that will have the government upon his shoulders. This government will be powerfully peaceful. And it will be David's lineage, which has a beginning, but yet it's eternal. Pre-existent to David and will continue beyond David for all time. So that's part of the descriptors of this child that's going to be born. And then it says, then he will lead with righteousness and justice. So while he will be leading a kingdom that is powerfully peaceful, he accomplishes that by a very justice-oriented leadership that is filled and motivated by righteousness, right living before God. Now, as people are trying to, again, the, the Hebrew learner is looking at all this and trying to connect the dots between two things that are clearly stating a beginning, but yet connecting it to terms that are eternal, they're figure, trying to figure out how can this possibly be? 
But Isaiah provides this, the last line, the zeal, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. So the drive, the hunger, the thirst for seeing this be accomplished will be driven by the heart of God himself. His very own zeal will make it possible where a child that is born unto you, a son in particular, that who is going to have the government of God, the kingdom of God upon his shoulders. Yes, from David's throne, but leading with a powerfully peaceful means, which would be very different from David. And this throne, led in justice and righteousness, will last forever. There is no other way these contrasting terms can be accomplished unless you ascribe it to the zeal of the Lord. So the learner is studying this and meditating upon how incredible these things must be, but then you can take weeks to study each of the names, and we're going to do so. We're going to study these names that were revealed at that time. Wonderful Counselor. Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God. Everlasting Father. Prince of Peace. You can see that the two terms in between leave nothing for the imagination. He will be God. And that the everlasting part speaks to pre-existent and yes, now in existence. And he will accomplish peace and be the leader of it. But it all begins with wonderful counselor. Now in the Hebrew, as you study these terms, it, is t- it speaks to in that, that adjective, that wonderful adjective is speaking to a statement of an astounding reality. An astounding reality that you can say that it's not just any counselor. No, this is counselor in such a way that it's beyond the ability to describe. That's where we get the term wonder. Wonder is like your eyes aglow and you're wondering how this can be. So is true. When we say in this case, he will be known as counselor, it will be known as a wonderful counselor beyond the ability to comprehend in full and to be able to describe in a worthy manner. So now, this was written approximately three to 400 years ahead of the Messiah. So then... We now know it it was written in a prophetic mold, but now we know it as revealed. So let's move from prophetic to reveal because the Christ child has now come. So we can now do the test. Is indeed Jesus the Messiah? Can we answer that concretely by looking and testing him according to the names he was to be given? If he is indeed the Christ, then he must be this person that is so wonderful as a counselor that it's astounding to the mind. So in order to do that, since we are post his coming, let's look and put Jesus through the test. Does he stand up as wonderful counselor? So I'm going to ask you to turn your Bibles to John chapter 14. John chapter 14. 
give a little context as to when Jesus is saying this. This is happening on the night that he was betrayed. Imagine you're John, the Apostle John, and who is known as, or at least self-ascribed as being the one closest to Jesus. And he's sitting down to finally make an account of all the things he experienced with Jesus in those three years. And I love the disclaimer that John puts at the end of his gospel when he says that all the books in the world could not contain all the things that we saw and heard from Jesus. So then you're thinking, okay, there's this disclaimer. But it makes sense to ask the question, so what did he find that rose above all other information that he did choose to write within the contents of a letter? And what you'll discover is that John took a tremendous amount of time unpacking the night that Jesus was betrayed. So many things said by Jesus that night in that upper room. So many things were said in that garden. And so we unpack part of it now. But if you recall, again, keep in mind, at that table, Jesus speaks to the coming of the Holy Spirit, which we'll deal with now. He also speaks to how things will be after he leaves. He speaks to the challenges they're going to face. He speaks to what's going to happen the next day. He models for them something that's to be taken into the church that they yet did not know was going to be called the way. He gave them communion. He modeled servant leadership in washing their feet. He exposed the one that was going to betray him. And he revealed his heart for how difficult the next day was going to be. In the midst of all those things, Jesus is trying to give understanding to what is going to happen after his departure. We know in the account of Luke that Luke said, don't worry when you go out because the Holy Spirit will guide you what to say. Because think about it. For three years, the disciples were with him. Pretty much all the time, except for a handful of moments, Jesus would separate himself. But they were used to some of those brief separations. But it was when Jesus sent them away to actually go and do the ministry alone without him, that they were, it was the first point of when they were tested. Can you relearn to rely not upon Jesus alone, but by the spirit he gives you? So in this text... Post that moment of where he'd sent them out to go and disciple other people and they experienced the power of the Holy Spirit where demons were cast out, people were healed. Jesus says this in verse 15. If you love me, keep my commands and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of Truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Skip to verse 25. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. 
and do not be afraid. Verse 15, there's an implication to what he says. When he says, if you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. Which implies what? That he is an advocate for them. That he is meant to be that advocate before the Father for their behalf. Now you're asking, okay, how does this connect to wonderful counselor? Well, let me explain something. The term advocate is paraclete in the Greek. Have you heard of the term paraclete before? It actually gets used in some uh, context in, in legal systems and in other countries it gets used in the legal system. A paraclete, in other words, a counselor, an advocate, a helper, one who pleads the cause of another. That's what it means. And so when Jesus is saying this, you've known me as your advocate, your counselor, your helper, the one who even pleads to God on your behalf. But I'm going to give you another paraclete, another counselor, another helper who will plead the cause of you to God. So they were receiving this and hearing this and thinking, well, God is now, Jesus is now saying that he's going to leave us, but yet saying he's still going to be advocate. He's still going to be counselor. He's still going to be our helper, but he's going to give one, as it says in the text, one who is in, with you and in you. So it's not just any counselor or advocate. It's one that will be with you in those key times and in you always. Again, Jesus would come and go from them. He never stopped being their advocate. He never stopped being their counselor. He never stopped being that one that cared and was concerned for those apostles. But he would come and go because he had things he was doing. And now Jesus is saying, I'm going to provide another. I'm going to provide another advocate who will be with you and in you. So therefore, always near you because he's with you and in you. And so that's a huge piece of information just given to the apostles. Remember when I told you, I'm going to send you out like wool of sheep among wolves. But don't worry about what you say, what I need to say, because in the moment you need to say something, I'll give you the words to say by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so now they're being told, I'm leaving you. I'm not going to be with you any longer. But I'm sending someone, another advocate, another counselor that will always be with you and will always be in you for those who have faith in me. That's a key piece of information, is it not? Think about this. Let's, let's unpack advocate in our language, okay? So we know it comes from paraclete. That's what's being said in this text is that, that Jesus is a paraclete and he's going to provide another. So in our terms in, in advocacy, I've experienced it when faced with something medically that I do not understand. The first time I encountered this, quite frankly, was when my daughter was born. I thought everything was great. We had had a long season of pushing. Well, my wife had a long time of pushing. 
And so when that child came out, they, we were both exhausted. And, and so they were going to do some things with, with her. And, and so I decided I'm going to go home because it had been 20 hours of pushing. And, and so I, I th I'm going to go home. I'm going to shower, and I'll come back so I can spend the rest of the day with our new child. While en route home, my wife calls me, and there's tears clearly coming through her voice. And she tells me there's something wrong and that I need to come back to the hospital. I come back and they tell us all these things that, that is wrong with her. And I have to be honest, like it's terms I've never heard before. But yet somehow with new terms coming at us, we now have to make hundreds of decisions like this. Ever been there? When a diagnosis comes your way and all of a sudden you're supposed to be an expert on knowing what decision comes next, that's where you need an advocate. And so we had somebody that came in. The doctor leaves after saying a few things, but the nurse is kind of doing some work around. And I remember asking questions of the nurse and the nurse was able to answer a lot of key questions. That medical advocacy becomes hugely important when you don't know, and you don't know the truth, and you don't need to know what you need to know to make decisions. And plus, you've got a lot of emotions. You're fearful. It's very murky. I experienced it again when my wife was diagnosed with cancer. You get that phone call, and it tells you that answer, and then all of a sudden, you're making, question, you're, you're making decisions based on answers you don't have. In every case, we had some level of counsel or advocacy from each of the different trades that were going to be a part of her cancer journey. And it enabled us to make wise decisions as best as we could. But it also provided comfort because we weren't as much in the dark once we had some of those answers. People from the congregation who had walked through this before started coming alongside my wife giving her understanding to some of the decisions we were about to make. You were advocates on our, our behalf. Another aspect of, of what we see in society with the term advocate or counselor are our legal realms. When you hear a judge speaking directly to an attorney, they say, they don't say lawyer or attorney, they say counselor. Why? Because the counselor is known as being the defender on behalf of their client. And they do two things primarily. They protect the client from themselves, which is very necessary if they speak too much. And they secondly protect the client from undue process, possibly other people. And so that's what the counselor provides. And they become advocate in that context. It's also true that we know the term counselor for what is most often utilized. Help when something is emotionally distressing or difficult. Helping you sort through internal or emotional pain due to stress and anxiety or that is caused by life issues such as loss. Losing somebody that's near and dear to you. Relational brokenness. Tragedy perhaps even abuse where you're the victim or perhaps you're the abuser. The counselor is then 
there to help you sort through those things, being able to help work on the inner side of this. And yes, if able, to give you guidance on the next steps. It is true that in both cases, the attorney who's called counselor, the therapist who's called counselor, might be a part of an office where there are multiple counselors, multiple attorneys, and you might call a number to dial 1-800-777-7777, which actually goes to an attorney, by the way. Don't call that number. Not advocating for that particular lawyer. But the point is, when you call a number to an attorney's office, you don't know which attorney you'll get. You don't know which counselor you get. You're assigned one, and yes, it is true that they might consult with the other colleagues in the office, but you're working with one. The same is also true in, a, in, a, in an office where they're helping people work through the emotional internal issues that might be caused by life. You're assigned to a particular person. They might consult confidentially with a peer or colleague, but again, you're assigned to one. It is true in this case, but very different with Jesus and the Holy Spirit. When you pray to God, because it starts with, if you love me and keep my commands, I will ask the Father. When you go there, there is prayer going on. And yes, you engage the high person in this whole chain. Jesus himself, who goes right to the Father. But never absent from that process is the Holy Spirit. Always engaged, always part of it. And he is with you and in you. And so you've got this unique aspect where Jesus is saying, I am your lead counselor. I am your lead advocate. I'm your lead defender. And I provided you another. Not at the cost of my departure and escape from you, but I'm providing another one that will always be right there next to you. Always helping you. Always pleading your cause. And simultaneously and together, Jesus, while next to the God Almighty, is advocating on our behalf, so the Holy Spirit, who is next to you, is talking directly to Jesus, who's talking directly to God Almighty. And they operate as one. And so this becomes a, an advocacy and a counseling that is beyond the understanding of our own minds. And, and so when you see this, you realize that's impossible. This is unique. It is very different. And so is it measuring up to the name that was given him? Wonderful counselor? Oh, yeah. Because in this case, the one who designed you, the one who created you, the one who is part of knitting you together in your mother's womb is the one who is advocating for you. Imagine the master designer himself. Jesus is the firstborn of all creation, always having been a part of the triune God. And it even says in Genesis 1, that, that, that in that chapter, that when man was created, it was created in the image of us. In the other, and when that was God speaking, that as us, there was a plurality in the oneness of God, that there was a relationship within God that was clearly on display when he said, we are going to create mankind to be like us. And Jesus is the one who is part of that us, and he's saying, I am your advocate. I am your helper. 
I am the one that will plead your cause. And I'm also the one that's going to guide you. And you know what? I'm good at it because I made you. I made you. That's a different type of counselor. When a, when a counselor comes to help you, they are coming from the same level of imperfection that you have. But they are speaking to you as best as they can. And sometimes they can help. And sometimes maybe not. But you have to try. In this case, the master designer himself is involved. And the ability to help is astounding and wonderful, too much so to comprehend. I'm not done. I think there's more to, to helping us appreciate the wonderful aspects of, of his nature as counselor. So I want you to turn your Bibles to Hebrews 4. So keep going to the right in your Bibles getting closer to the back end of the scriptures here. In Hebrews 4, another term that is also synonymous with the ideas advocate and counselor. And that term is priest. Priest. So let's look at this. It's in Hebrews chapter 4, starting in verse 14. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. So let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And now he continues on into chapter 5 describing the earthly priests. It says, Every high priest is selected from among the people and is appointed to represent the people in matters related to God to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He is able to deal gently with those who are ignorant and are going astray since he himself is subject to the same weakness. So let me stop there. So basically saying Jesus as lead counselor for us is an astounding reality too wonderful for us to comprehend because he is also the high priest. He's high king. He's high priest. He is high counselor. He is our advocate for all those he created. So it's too wonderful, especially when you consider not only is he advocating, because typically speaking, the advocate is between you and the one in authority, right? The, between you and the one most powerful. So in the names of Jesus, going back to Isaiah, it says that he is king. Is there a higher authority than king? No. He is the highest authority. So now he's saying he's wonderful counselor who advocates to the one in authority, king, and yet he is also king. And then we know priest as being the same thing. Priest advocates on behalf of a nation. That nation is separated from God Almighty. And so you have this whole connection to the understanding that you have a nation that is fallen and broken and in need of help. And then you go to the understanding of realizing 
but he's also priest who then advocates on behalf of that nation to God. But he's priest in a different way than what Jesus is because an earthly priest goes before God without that confidence. When you go before God on behalf of a nation and you're advocating on behalf of that nation, knowing that they have violated God's heart and his statutes with their lives, and you're going before God pleading on their case, you're not saying, God, you know who I am. Listen to me. No, you're going to approach it very different. God, you know who I am. I'm pleading for this nation, for all that they've done wrong before you, and I'm one of them. I, too, have committed many of the same sins. And so you are going to the Father God with a gentle spirit because you acknowledge that you are just like them. You see, I can appreciate when Jesus is called Wonderful Counselor as this one that advocates on behalf of those who are in need. He becomes their helper. He pleads their cause, just like a priest would. A priest advocates for the people, yes, on an annual basis, but also daily. And he makes peace with God through sacrifice. He recognizes that because they were told and given instruction that it's a blood sacrifice that will redeem temporarily the sins of the people. So priests would, would offer these sacrifices to reconcile them before God in hopes that peace would come between God and man. Priests were also then charged to teach the people on how to walk where they are not ticking God off. They're teaching the people on how to please God. That's the priest's role. Priests are also taught, are, are charged with the role of correction, to offer correction and discipline so that people can be restored back to God because if they're operating in rebellion, they are not going to have oneness with God. And so the priest's role is to confront that. It's also true that when the nation would grieve, because of terrible loss, that the priests were also the ones that would offer consolation, embraces of love, and care for a hurting people. They did this gently as well because they too were grieving. These are the roles of an earthly priest. And the writer of Hebrews who's helping the Hebrew people understand that from all they've learned about this coming Messiah, he's come. And I'm helping you understand and connect the dots that Jesus is indeed that Christ we've been waiting for. And part of it is that he's already said in the book of Hebrews and it's already said in the, in the book of Isaiah that he will be king. The government will be upon his shoulders. He'll be the leader. But he is also going to be a counselor, wonderful counselor, that will operate like a priest on behalf of a people. But the difference between his counsel his priesthood, his kingship, is that he counsels and leads out of an undefeated strength, not out of commiseration. I want to say that again. Jesus counsels 
out of an undefeated strength, not with commiseration. I get the privilege of being like a priest. We don't use that term for my role, but I get the opportunity to be involved with counsel for hurting people that are struggling. And I'll be honest, in most cases, what I feel is commiseration. I've experienced what you've experienced. I've failed where you failed. I've been treated like you've been treated. I've made the mistakes you've made. And then I can offer counsel and hope because it's like I've seen how God restores. I've seen how God has helped. And I can offer that encouraging word in those moments. But there are times when I am confronted with something that I'm being asked for counsel and I'm looking at it and say, I am not sure how to help you. But I know one who can. So if I was to offer two business cards to you, in the time of your need. One business card has my name on it and says, experience lots of failure, learn from my mistakes, been treated difficultly at different points, I can help you, call my number. Then I offer you a business card with Jesus' name on it. I have faced what you faced. I've experienced what you've experienced. And I've been able to see victory in every case. Come talk to me. Who do you call? <laughs> it's okay. It's not my name. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. He is that wonderful counselor that we can call upon who has operated with all of the various challenges that mankind has faced. He has been the victim. He's been treated poorly. He has had to deal with broken relationships and he has handled adversaries and each step of the way, he succeeded. And by the way, as a priest offers sacrifices to bring, make peace between man and God, and they'd have to repeat that over and over. Jesus made peace once and for all between us and God by being the sacrifice himself. When I consider a counselor that has the ear of almighty God, who is intimately understanding of the innermost workings of our heart, and he says, I advocate for you. I counsel you. I am your helper, and I will plead your cause. Do we need a counselor any more than that? It's too wonderful for me to comprehend, especially when I'm in my time of need. So I say, thank you, God, that you sent Jesus to become the one, that son who the government will be on his shoulders, and he will lead with justice and righteousness, and his throne will never come to an end. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Let's pray. Jesus, I acknowledge you as the great counselor. An astounding truth of how wonderful you are. I can't explain what it must be like that you are the one that intervenes on our behalf but you go to the highest authority and you sit at that high throne of authority. 
there is no other place to go to reach the highest end of help. And then you, out of your compassion and love and your vision, sent the Holy Spirit to be with us and in us always. To those who have faith in Jesus Christ. So we say thank you for being our wonderful counselor. Speak to our hearts now as we consider some of the truths that come with that. Because many of us have faced trials that are difficult where we need that counselor. Maybe we've experienced loss. Maybe we've experienced broken relationship. Maybe we've experienced some kind of tragedy. Maybe we've experienced an unexpected change that makes things hard. You say that you'll be with us and in us by your Holy Spirit and that you'll plead our cause and provide guidance in our time of need. All this permitted by the Father God himself. Thank you for this wonderful truth. Jesus, it's in your name I pray. Amen. I'm going to ask that you just remain seated. There's going to be a song sung to you and over you. It's called Wonderful. Co-written by Stephen Kerr's Chapman in light of the hardship he dealt with. You may not know his story. You might know him as a songwriter and singer. But if you could imagine having a four-year-old child, is my understanding of the age, playing in the driveway and your teenage son backing up a car not knowing that child's in the driveway and that child dies. Imagine trying to counsel your son when you yourself are broken and shattered pieces. You see, that is always true when we do life because life brings things unexpected. And while you're dealing with your own issues internally, sometimes you have to help others as well. And that's where our counsel is needed from something way greater than us. You rely upon the advocate that God gave and the Holy Spirit. And you trust in the promises that Jesus by his own mouth and words and actions show he is that wonderful counselor. Receive this and perhaps it leads you to praying for certain people. Gathered round the table So much to be thankful for It's Christmas Oh, how I've missed this Through the joy and laughter You can feel the sadness Cause this Christmas Everyone's not with us It's the time of year Won't be enough to get me 
stranger told us he'd be no stranger to all our sorrow and all the hurt we'll never know so let these gifts remind us how love came down to find us wonder of the ages the life the truth the way If you're new here this morning, what I'm about to say may not relate to you a whole lot, um, but this past week, there was a loss in this family, and it was due to broken relationship, and so I just want to ask that for those of you that have been regularly attending LEFC, that know the Todd family, and, uh, and then uh, have said, this is my church, I just would ask that you pray as we've asked you to pray. We pray for them, we pray for us, and we pray for God's mission that we have uh, for the world will continue to thrive. This has not been an easy week, and I'll be honest, the timing of having to speak this message was not of my choosing. It was God's. We chose this four months ago, having no idea what this day would be, and I found that I needed this message because I needed a paraclete. I needed an advocate. I needed a counselor. And so I rely upon the strength and wonderful counselor that Jesus provides because he is just and he is righteous and he is powerfully leading us to peace. And I'm gonna trust in that. I don't know what losses you've experienced. My guess is that there are as many different losses that we could probably claim is making it hard this season. But know that you have an advocate in Jesus himself. But he also gives you the Holy Spirit who's with you and in you. And if you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, 
He promises that if you come into relationship with him, when you acknowledge that you are bro- your relationship with God is broken and that you need reconciliation, that high priest, that high king, Jesus Christ himself is the one who provides the sacrifice to bring that reconciliation together. So if you re- receive that gift freely, then he promises you the Holy Spirit and then you receive the advocate who counsels you when things are at its worst and also delights with you when things are at its best. And so with that being said, would you please stand? If you'd like to pray with someone, there will be people in the encounter room that will be glad to pray with you, uh, to encourage you, and to be a paraclete if necessary. But here's the thing. When God gives his Holy Spirit to the people, He doesn't give the Holy Spirit just for you to keep for your sake. He says that I am the light of the world, a city on a hill that can't be hidden, and then I make you the light of the world to where that same Holy Spirit is in you can counsel through you. Some of the best counsel I've received are with people that have no degrees. They just have the Holy Spirit in them. And so go as counselors, under the help of the great advocate, the Holy Spirit, but the high advocate, Jesus Christ, whose name we bear. Amen? He is wonderful. If you'd like to talk with me, I'll be up front as well. I'd be glad to offer an encouraging ear and be as best of a priest as I possibly can be. But my business card's in my office, but I can bring Jesus' name through the word of God. You are dismissed. God bless.